Welcome to the Player Pool Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of NFL daily fantasy sports. If you are tired of following the crowd, being held hostage to whatever tout you're following on Twitter that month, feeling like there's so many options you don't even know where to begin, then the Player Pool Podcast is the right place for you. Here, we aren't going to spoon feed you lineups. Each week, we'll discuss our player pool and walk through the decision tree that you must navigate while building your roster. The player pool is not just a giant list of all fantasy relevant players, okay? It's also not a weekly player picks machine. If you're hooked on those, you require the minimum amount of work each week to play fantasy football, and I think your results are deserved. So here's your warning. If you want to embrace the player pool process as I have to great DFS success, DFS success to the level where my wife checks in on Saturdays to make sure I've done my lineups or not. Then it's going to require you to do some work. But I'm going to tell you something. You're going to like it. Because it's going to be your product. Your NFL football, fantasy football brain that comes out at the end of the week. Not somebody else's. So this podcast isn't for the faint-hearted or the risk-adverse. It's about to get weird and unconventional. So buckle up. Are you ready to take your DFS game to a whole new level? Then it's time to dive headfirst into the player pool. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboyne. Welcome back to the Player Pool Last episode was our flagship episode where we discussed how to create a player pool and define the labels and symbols we will use to categorize players as we build our lineups. I'm going to continue to massage those terms and explain them further throughout the podcast, but today we have some real NFL player situations to discuss. So there's a new guy on the block in fantasy football. Have you heard of him? He's the eighth overall pick, rookie, by the Atlanta Falcons, Bijan Robinson. Bijan, Bijan, Bijan. I'm going to get that right by the end of the season. I have a feeling that by the end of the year, or at least by the end of the next couple years, he's going to make me know and remember how to pronounce his name. But Bijan Robinson is being lauded pretty high for a rookie who hasn't seen an NFL snap yet. As a DFS player, you have to be tapped in do all the channels, podcasts, and things on Twitter, but you're also going to have to do your best to filter all the information thrown at you. John Robinson has gotten on my radar right now uh, because of a certain fantasy group out there that I hold in very high regard. So if I slight them now, it's only because I have so much respect for them. And that's why I'm going to passionately disagree with them right now. But Pro Football Focus came out a couple weeks ago and held out that they are projecting John Robinson to lead the league in rushing this year. At the same time, he's gone top five in my season-long fantasy draft. And Adam Levitan, another person who I totally look up to, who runs Establish the Run uh, podcast and, and a website, he also came out recently and said that Bijan is clear for 300-plus touches this year. So as a avid fantasy player, I have to admit, coming up into this season, I'm kind of like, where's this guy coming from? Truly. So I did a little research and I obviously I heard about him last, you know, last year throughout the college season and, 
and saw him through the draft, but he's not rumbling, tumbling ahead like the Adrian Petersons of the world or the Reggie Bush. So I gave a little look into it. So first off, if you don't know, Bajan Robinson played three years at Texas. And this isn't the early 2000s Vince Young, Texas. This is the Texas that plays in what's left of the Big 12. If you remember the Big 12, you may not. You may only know the Big 10 and the SEC with how college football is going. Bajan played on an 8-5, and five, last year, 8-5 and five Texas team in the Big 10. I'm sorry, the Big 12. He put up good stats. I'm not going to hold that against him necessarily with his stats. His stats were uh, last year 258 attempts, 1,580 yards with a, for a 6.1 average yards per carry, 18 touchdowns. That's really good. However, would have to point out, and nobody else is pointing out, he's not going up against the Clemsons and the Alabamas of the world on the regular. Uh, while he was actually able to play Alabama in a loss uh, last year, the other schools he was able to rack up these statistics against went by the likes of Louisiana Monroe, UTSA, I don't even know what school that is, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Bob Stoops isn't there anymore, I don't know what they've done, Iowa State, always overachieving, never actually winning, Oklahoma State, these teams were probably great in 2005, Kansas State, Texas Christian, Kansas again, Baylor, and Washington. That was his college schedule last year. I think of all those games, the only impressive ones I see in terms of opponents where you could really be able to kind of gauge how well he's going to play, you'd have to say Alabama, maybe a slight nod to Baylor. They put out a few good pros in the last decade. So that's his college competition. Then I'm looking for comparisons. What other pro running backs or running backs that we would know out of the NFL had similar college careers? So I held up John Robinson's three years. He's played th- he played three years at Texas, where he only played 9, 10, and 12 games in those seasons. I compared him to Reggie Bush, Saquon Barkley, Barry Sanders, and Melvin Gordon. And quite honestly, he's not really a good comparison for any of those players. Namely, all of those players played way more games, way more games than Bajan did. They also played against stiffer competition at the time when they were in college. And, and that's not necessarily his fault. The conferences were more balanced back in, in, when these players were playing. But the most similar comparison I could find is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook and Bajan Robinson had three years where they played in college. They had similar carries uh, and attempts, 539 for Robinson to Cook's 687. Their average carry, 6.3 for Robinson, 6.5 for Cook. Touchdowns, Cook's got them by about 13 more. Quite frankly, I would still say just stat for stat, Cook played more games against better competition and came out with way higher efficiency stats and overall stats. So at best, we have Bijan Robinson entering the league uh, as Dalvin Cook light out of college, not comparable to better running backs we've seen out of college like Reggie Bush, Adrian Peterson, Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gordon, Barry Sanders. It's really not a comparison. He's not close to any of those guys coming out of college, which that's not the end-all be-all. Certain players and certain programs will translate better to the pros. I get that. But what we know 
is that, that he's below these players who we've already seen play NFL football. Uh, we don't know how that's going to translate to the field yet, so it would be foolish to assume he's a top three, top five running back this early in the season. It'd be foolish to play him week one or really not to give him a couple weeks just to see what he can put on the field. So I feel like when Pro Football Focus puts that graphic card out there that looks really nice and gains a lot of attention, I think that's more of an engagement strategy, a little bit of clickbait, trying to get people to look at something new and fresh. And it is exciting to have a new player of possibly Robinson's caliber in the league. Something in DFS that is so important to understand is what these football teams want to do and who they want to do them with and with how many people, okay? They will tell you that throughout the whole season. You just got to pay attention. So what did the Atlanta Falcons tell us about what they wanted to do on offense last year? Well, first off, they were bottom quarter in the league in offensive plays per game at 59 plays per game. Of those 59 plays, they opted to go with a rookie running back, Tyler Algier, who had, I would say, success at the position, averaging 4.9 yards per carry, over 1,000 yards on the season with 210 rushes, complemented by Corderell Patterson, who got over 600 yards himself on over 100 touches. The Falcons threw a league-low 25 times a game last year. And this math is not as simple as 1 plus 1 equals 2, but that leaves about 30 plays a game where they're not passing the ball. There are mouths to feed on this team. They have Tyler Algier. They're not just going to have a dynamic player like that one year and then shelve him completely this year. He's going to still see the field. They also have Drake London, who's going to get his targets and his plays ran for him. Cordell Patterson, although I could see him getting cut before camp is over, if he's still in the mix, he's not going to sit idle on the sideline. He'll get his couple touches a game, too. We're starting to siphon off how many touches Bijan can even get in a game. And let's not forget that Kyle Pitts is, as far as all the experts say, still lingering to be the best tight end to ever play this game, although it seems to me like Arthur Smith doesn't know that yet. But if they figure it out this year, there's more plays off the board. Let's not forget we have a third-round pick at quarterback, Desmond Ritter, who when you're the third-round pick at quarterback and then elected the quarterback of the future – is that really the quarterback that they believe in? Or is that the bridge quarterback that they're just hoping kind of pans out and then later they can say they were so smart for picking? Because if Desmond Ritter struggles or shows that he can't push the ball downfield at all this year, then whoever is running the ball for the Falcons is facing eight in the box. And that's going to make things a lot more difficult. Louisiana Tech Monroe may not have had nine, eight, seven NFL quality defensive players in the box. But you best believe that if Desmond Ritter can't open up the passing game at all, that's what Bijan Robinson's going to be facing. To be a slate breaker, Bijan Robinson has to enter that 20 plus touch a game floor. And to lead the league in rushing, he's probably going to need to see more touches than that. So, can we just wait and see how this snap share goes and how high his opportunities per game? is before we crown him as the rushing champ. As of now, I would say Bajan Robinson is not a slate breaker. He is probably sitting outside the classroom of studs, and we're going to let him in relatively soon, but he still has to earn it on the field by showing us. 
I'm all for having as many superstars in the league as possible. And I hope Bajon Robinson is the next coming of Adrian Peterson. But right now, the DFS community, all the touts, all the fantasy websites are selling him to you as if he's a guarantee for an Adrian Peterson rookie type year. But right now, I don't see the, the amount of opportunity or a team that can really support that. It's not like the Atlanta Falcons are expected to be scoring a lot of points and up in a lot of games where it makes sense to feed the running back 20, 25 carries inside the tackles. If all of that isn't there, you're probably not looking at a rushing leader this year. You're probably looking at a very impressive rookie season, but it's more likely that Bijan Robinson falls between RB5 and RB10 than an every week slate breaker. So again, I would say he's more probably an assumed stud that we need to wait and see early in the season. And I would wait and see, you know, week one, two, three, maybe even four until I fully plug him in. We need to see all the proof. Let other players, let other DFS players guess and ride that risk and let them figure it out if it works or not. It's a safer bet to see if the Falcons are smart enough to feed their best player, which for up until this year was Kyle Pitts. And I got to ask, have they figured out how to feed Kyle Pitts? What makes you feel so sure that they know how to feed Bajon Robinson? Another fantasy running back who I don't see being very relevant in DFS moving forward, given that he was very fun to play early in his career but struggled with injuries, is DeAndre Swift, now with the Philadelphia Eagles. Detroit loved Swift when he was healthy, but he ultimately... He could not withstand a full NFL workload. Now he's at Philly, whose coach loves to run a three or four headed running back by committee approach. And let's not forget the Eagles love to rugby push their quarterback into the end zone at every given opportunity. Looking at the snap share percentage last year for Philly running backs kind of reads poorly for Swiss future opportunities as well. The snap share percentage last year between Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott read 52%, 30%, 18% week one, and it only got worse from there. By the end of the season, the opportunities had almost leveled out, breaking down to 35%, 51%, 17%. The next game, 30%, 42%, 30%. Another game, 40%, 37%, 23%. If you ever tried to play Miles Sanders, who would get pushed in front of you as a viable option last year in DFS, your experience probably looked like this. The Eagles were in the red zone. They weren't doing the quarterback sneak, so you thought there might be a prayer that the running back would get that goal line carry and touchdown. You're trying to see which running back is actually in on the play before you can notice. You hear the snap, and next thing you see is an Eagles running back flying into the end zone, followed by the announcer screaming, Boston Scott, who would normally get maybe five touches a game. That is your experience when playing Philadelphia Eagles running backs in DFS. Now they have Rashad Penny there instead of Miles Sanders. Sanders has went on to Carolina, but they still have Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott who figured into the mix. Kenneth Gainwell has the same skill set as DeAndre Swift, although maybe not as explosive. Irregardless, you're not going to have the volume of opportunity there for Swift to be a viable option week to week. His price may dip so low that he's a nice value plug and play, maybe even a dart play, but that's all we can hope for at this point with DeAndre Swift. 
as of this recording, it's August 11th, and we still have just under a month until opening day. And I got to tell you guys, I have never seen more training camp footage and hype pushed and sold in front of my face than I have this year. I feel like I've already seen a month's worth of training camp footage, training camp all-stars. If you took it from Twitter right now, we're going to have about a 1,000 all-pro players in this NFL season. The entire Ravens wide receiver core. Let's talk about training camp all-stars. The entire Ravens wide receiver receiving core, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, and Rashad Bateman are apparently all going to be wide receiver ones because Lamar Jackson's completing passes to them in camp. That's apparently all it takes there. Let's just remember that Lamar Jackson has only been able to support a very good fantasy tight end throughout his career. Now he's got his money. His offensive coordinator is definitely going to be pushing him to pass more, but I think that's just going to put him in more scrambling and rushing situations. Don't expect Lamar Jackson to be able to support three relevant fantasy wide receivers. And I'm totally out on Bateman at this point. They've been trying to sell him since his rookie year. He can't do it. He's never been there. He's never been top 12, top 20. It's time to let him go. Does Odell have anything, or is he just getting his last paycheck before he's completely irrelevant? Maybe there's hope for Zay Flowers. Good luck in that wide receiver room, young man. Another training camp all-star is George Pickens, who apparently in camp is allowed to rock him, sock him, and bop him, the cornerback, on every route he runs. Any highlight you see, it's him crawling on top of his cornerback like a toddler over his dad, grabbing the ball, playing in the living room floor. I don't think NFL officials are going to let George Pickens assault his defender in order to get catches this year. So until George Pickens can show me he can create some A.J. Brown-type separation, I'm not entering him into the stud level yet. But his catches in practice are fun to watch online. Other training camp all-stars we have, Trayvon Diggs calling his franchise quarterback a bitch in practice. That basically affirms everything I know about Mike McCarthy. He'll slowly erode a team into complacency and averageness. I don't think anyone is talking about how badly Dak Prescott's career is being hurt by having Mike McCarthy dull everything around him. At the same time, it's good to see that Micah Parsons knows how to kill a quarterback, but maybe they need to start teaching him which quarterbacks to kill. Watching him roll into Dak's knees probably gave Mike McCarthy a moment of hope that he would have no expectations this year to let everyone down on. Luckily, Dak was fine, and the Cowboys still have their quarterback. And then we have Kendra Miller on the Saints, who touts are telling us we need to keep on our radar. He's not making my radar screen. The Saints... Definitely don't have him on theirs. They just tried to sign Kareem Hunt and failed this week. There's a lot of running backs still on the market. I don't expect Miller to be relevant this year in fantasy. They still have Jamal Williams, who scored 17 touchdowns last year, and a guy named Alvin Kamara, who still has juice in the tank, coming back after his three-game suspension. I expect enough running back production out of the Saints' backfield. They're not going to tap into the young gun just yet. Now, I'm saying all this with a little tongue-in-cheek. You should be open to new players, new ideas and concepts, and new situations. I get it. But just know that there are a thousand people trying to sell you a take or something going on here. Make sure you still have your filters up. Make sure you look at the information for yourself. And do not expand your player pool more than is reasonable. There's going to be enough options here. Let the fish, the less talented players, 
make all those gambles and follow all the hype trains. If you stay true to the, your player pool and play your studs and know who's actually established, who's actually getting fed week to week, you'll be better for it. Less than a month till opening day. I am so excited. I just saw that the FanDuel main slate has dropped and pricing is out. So we will be covering some of that in the next podcast. I am so excited to ride this whole season with you guys. Let's fail together. Let's succeed together. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Make sure you follow and subscribe. We are now up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Austin Raboyne, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Player Pool Pods.